chapter number one today is where we're going to be. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to be in Matthew chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And I think Katie and Daniel mentioned this a moment ago, but last week was our Heart for the House offering. And we've been praying and planning and preparing uh, for a future building that we believe that God has for us. And we don't have a specific building uh, available yet, but we want to be in a position for when a building does become available that we can be able to put a down payment on that. And so we last week participated in a sacrificial uh, one-time offering. And I thought it'd be appropriate today to uh, share the victory and the good news of that offering. Would that be all right today? And uh, uh, I'm thankful for the generosity of God's people. And this is all for the glory of God. But last week for our Heart for the House offering, we received $37,101. All for the glory of God. So we are celebrating and thanking God for his faithfulness, for his goodness. And we believe that the best is yet to come. And we're looking forward to all that God has for us. And so I'm so thankful uh, for what God is doing in our midst. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. We're going to start reading in verse number 18. If you're ready to dive into God's word, would you say amen? amen? Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, take Unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Aren't you thankful for that today? Verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Today, for a few minutes, I want to speak to this subject, for your consideration. For your consideration. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for the work that you've already done this morning in the early and 10 o'clock service. And God, I pray that you would speak to us right now in a great way. Lord, we're praying that you would be with the service to come today and that you would be glorified, magnified, and that our focus would be drawn to you and not self. Lord, I pray that as we look to this text that we would be reminded of the wonder of Christmas, that we would be awakened to the fact that You came for a purpose. And Lord, I pray that we would allow your word to penetrate our hearts today and that we would leave this place differently because of it. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said today, 
My youngest daughter, Blakely, is five years old, and she is an absolute expert at getting my attention. It does not matter what I'm doing or how busy I am or who I'm talking to. She will get my attention. If I'm sitting down, she'll jump on my lap, and she'll get right in front of my face. Or if I'm walking or standing, she will latch onto my leg, and she will not let go until I observe and and pay attention to whatever she's trying to communicate to me. And she'll just kind of stand there, and she'll just say, Dad, 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 Dad. Lately, she's been saying, D-A-D, D-A-D, D-A-D. And she's just trying to get my attention. And right now what she wants me to see and observe is something that I'm new to that I learned recently about. They're called Five Surprise Toy Mini Brands. Any parents in the room know what a Five Surprise Toy Mini Brand is? Okay, I'm not alone in this struggle. A Five Surprise Toy Mini Brands are these little miniature collection of toys uh, that children like to collect. And Blakely will line them all out for me. She has dozens of them. She'll line them all out for me. And she wants to explain to me each one, and she doesn't move on to the next one until I acknowledge that one. And she is making sure that I really understand what these little toys are. And she is an expert at capturing my attention. I think the reality for all of us today is that the culture and the world is desperately trying to capture our attention. Uh, Everywhere that we look, the culture is trying to uh, get us to move in a particular direction and get us to adhere to something of the world. I've been noticing recently that there is something in the entertainment industry that they've been putting on social media ads and billboards recently, and it's this little phrase that just simply says, for your consideration. Uh, how many of you have ever seen this on an ad before? It'll just, it'll have a movie, I think we got a billboard, it'll have a movie, it'll have a show, and then it'll just have this subtle tagline, for your consideration. We're not demanding anything, we're not telling you have to do something, we're just asking you to consider this. Will you think on this? So often the culture is getting us to consider something, look at this, support this, subscribe to this, adhere to this, stand for this, and often we are being pulled in so many directions, and we are so often focusing on secondary things to the neglect of the primary things. And I believe that this happens every year around the Christmas season, that we are distracted by so many things and parties and rituals and the festivities of the season that we overlook what is most important, the birth of Jesus Christ, the whole reason that we celebrate this season. And so we have to recognize that the culture is trying to capture our attention. Hey, consider this, look at this, support this. I love what Joseph says here, or what the Bible describes Joseph as doing here in verse number 20, when it says this, but while he thought on these things. Don't you like the simplicity of that phrase that while Joseph thought on these things? That the Bible tells us that Joseph took the time to consider what this news meant. That, that Joseph was pondering this. He was meditating on this. He was, he was contemplating and considering what this really meant. I wonder, when was the last time that you really paused and considered the true message of Christmas? That, that you paused to consider the ramifications of the incarnation, God becoming man, while he thought on these things. You know, the Bible says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 33, and Joseph and his mother, they marveled. Everybody say marveled. They marveled at those things which were spoken of him. When they realized what uh, people were communicating, uh, Simeon and Anna and and, uh, the angels, when they were telling uh, them about who this child was, they marveled. Uh, The Greek word there, marveled, it means to wonder. That that they were amazed, that they were overwhelmed, that they were uh, excited and marveling at this good news. You know, the problem with our culture today is that we have lost our ability to wonder. 
or we have misplaced our ability to wonder. We can get so uh, marveled and we can, we can marvel and wonder about temporary things. We, we have this horizontal sense of wonder when it comes to uh, nice things and that person has a nice car. Wow, that's a nice car. And that person has a nice house. And wow, would you look at that? And uh, look at that person's bank account. We can marvel and wonder at horizontal things. Often we neglect to marvel and wonder at vertical things, at the things of God. One time, Rob Waldo Emerson, he asked this question, what would we do if the stars only came out once every thousand years? And another author, Paul Hawkins, he said this in response to that question. He said, no one would sleep that night, of course. We would be ecstatic, delirious, made rapturous by the glory of God. Instead, the stars come out every night and we watch television. That we often misplace our sense of awe. And the reality is we were created for wonder. We were created to worship something greater than ourselves. This is why uh, we are here. The Bible says in Psalm 96, verse number three, declare his glory. Can I remind you today uh, that we are not called and commissioned to declare our own glory and to talk about how great we are and to boast in our own goodness, but we are called to declare his glory. And then specifically among the heathen, his wonders among the people. It's hard to declare his wonders when we have not awakened the wonder for ourselves. And here we are called to declare his glory, to declare the wonders of God to uh, the world today. Can I just remind you that God is calling us and commissioning us to go out to the highways and hedges and tell people in the Inland Empire about the real reason for Christmas, to declare his goodness, to declare his wonders, why Jesus came down to earth to live a perfectly sinless life, to go to the cross for your sins and for my life, to go to the cross for my sins. Hey, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the message that is wonderful news and reality of Christmas. Now we come to Matthew's gospel and Matthew is in the first chapter presenting the lineage, lineage and ancestry of Jesus. Have, have you noticed in our culture today that more and more people are interested in their ancestry? That, that websites like Ancestry.com are very popular and, and uh, people want to trace their lineage. But I want you to know in Jewish culture, especially in the first century, they were far more interested in their lineage than we are because it was their lineage that could show and prove that they were God's chosen people. And so they were very interested in their lineage, and that is why Matthew, who is writing to primarily a Jewish audience, was introducing Jesus according to his lineage, uh, showing that he was uh, the son of David, the long-awaited promised one. And so Matthew is introducing to us the birth of Jesus Christ. And as he does today, what I want to do is I just want to give us four things to consider. Four components of the Christmas story that demand our consideration. If you're taking notes today, let me give you the first one. The first one is this, the relational complexity. Consider the relational complexity of the Christmas narrative. You know, sometimes I think that we are familiar with the Christmas story based on what we see on TV, based on the nativity scene that we're all familiar with, and we are acquainted with the characters of the Christmas story. But if we were to look beyond just kind of a shallow and superficial glance at the Christmas story, we would see ordinary people with extremely complex relational statuses, uh, that, that they were going through a very unique and complex time. Now, I want you to see the moment of this birth, the moment of the birth. And we're going to look at verse number 18. I would encourage you to keep your Bible open and ready as we refer back to these verses often. Notice verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. This is how it happened. 
when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. This is what we have to understand. The moment of his birth was this espousal period. Sometimes we think that espousal is equivalent with engagement, when in fact they are similar, but they are not the same. Uh, espousal is far more legally binding than we would consider an engagement. In fact, during this espousal period, both families would write up a contract, and you had to sign a 12-month binding contract to be in this espousal period. And so legally, if you were espoused, you were considered married, although you had not yet consummated that marriage. Uh, the only way that you could nullify or void this espousal period is if you died or is if you got a filed for a legal divorce to the court system. So this was something that was extremely binding. And so they were in this espousal period, which created this complexity to their relationship. Because when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, this was shocking news to Joseph. The, the only logical conclusion for Joseph was that Mary had been unfaithful. And so for him, this was something that brought fear, that brought confusion, that brought uncertainty. Who has Mary been, uh, been with? What, what, what is going on here? He knew what this meant. In fact, according to the Old Testament law in Deuteronomy 22, if you were to break this espousal period, the, uh, the, the guilty party was punishable by death. And so Joseph was not initially excited at this news. He was initially terrified because here is Mary. Now her life is in danger. This was creating a, an incredibly complex situation where they would be ostracized from their friends and isolated from their family. This would have brought great turmoil within. Remember, Mary and Joseph at this point in the Christmas story are teenagers. This is something that they are navigating as young people. Most commentators say that Mary was 15, 16 years old at this time. They are navigating a season of incredible complexity. You know what I've observed? That during the Christmas season, often the complexity of our relationships are highlighted. You're around family a lot more. Mother-in-law's in town. Father-in-law's in town. There's, there's, a lot more, there's a lot more stress. There's tension in the room often. In fact, everywhere that we look in culture today, what, what do we see? Tension. Turmoil. Vitriol. I was reading last year, there was this holiday parade at Universal Studios Hollywood, excuse me, Florida. And at Universal Studios in Florida, there was this magical Christmas holiday parade that was supposed to be for the children. And uh, during this parade, there were some adults that were unhappy with their view and their position in the parade. And so literally a fight broke out. There was screaming and cursing and punching and shoving, and people had to be kicked out of the park all during this magical holiday Christmas parade. Like, Merry Christmas, let's escort you out of the theme park. Why? Everywhere that we look today, what do we see? We see people are on edge. There's complexity. There's, there's vitriol, there's hatred, there's turmoil. And here what we see in the Christmas story is relational complexity. But there's good news today. Are you ready for the good news? Anybody else ready for the good news? Romans 15 verse number 12 says this, And again, he saith, saith, there shall be a root of Jesse. Now, spoiler alert, that's talking about the coming Messiah. That's talking about Jesus Christ. He, he says, uh, there's going to be a root of Jesse. And then it says this, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. This root of Jesse will rise to reign. He will rise to rule. This is good news for us today because Jesus Christ did rise to reign. And today he is still ruling and reigning. He is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is still sovereign over all of creation, this root of Jesse would rise to reign over the Gentiles. And because of this, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so you might be stressed this uh, Christmas season. You might be filled with anxiety. You might have relational complexity. But I want you to know today that the reason Jesus came down to earth was to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The reason Jesus came down to earth was to provide healing for the hurting and to provide purpose for those in pain. Hey, he can give you a peace that passes understanding even in your relational complexity. This is why he came. And so this was a complex moment for Mary and Joseph, the, the moment of his birth during this espousal period. But not only the moment of this birth, I want you to see the miracle of his birth. Are you still with me today? Yes. The miracle. Notice verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together. What is he highlighting here? The virgin birth. Matthew's going to make it emphatically clear. Before they came together, they did not consummate this marriage. They had not participated in intimacy together. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Matthew is, is emphatically highlighting the virgin birth. Uh, last week, my youngest daughter, Blakely, she came home from uh, church, and they were talking about the virgin birth. And we said, Blakely, what did you learn today at church? And she said, I learned that Mary was an urchin. We said, what do you, she was an urchin. And we said, no, she was a virgin. <laughs> she, thought, she thought they were saying she's an urchin. She's not an urchin, Blakely. And we had to explain this uh, to her. But Matthew here is highlighting the virgin birth. And then it says that she was found with child. The Greek word, therefore, found, it means to discover by observation. You know how people found out that Mary was expecting? She started to show. And I love that thought because when Jesus is on the inside, eventually he'll show on the outside. In your life, in your marriage, with your children, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, if Jesus is doing a work on the inside, eventually it'll be revealed on the outside. And so people started to see Mary. She started to show. And this was amazing because Mary had not been with a man. This was an immaculate conception. She was a virgin. This is the most extraordinary birth in all of human history, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew Henry said this, Christ was born of a virgin not only because his birth was to be supernatural and altogether extraordinary, but because it was to be spotless and pure without any stain of sin. He was to be the spotless lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And so we see that this story begins with really relational complexity, this espousal period. And, and uh, this leads us to our next thought today. Uh, number two is this. What we have to consider is the uncommon character. So we consider the relational complexity, but then we consider the uncommon character. And really, uh, Joseph is going to reveal for us and exemplify this uncommon character in two ways. Uh, the first way is that he was a man of conviction. Conviction. Notice what it says in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. He was a just man. The word means that he was virtuous, that he wanted to do the right thing. That Joseph, even though he was a teenager, he wanted to make the right decisions based on principles uh, that were divine. He was a man of conviction, uh, that he was a just man. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, verse number 12, Let no man despise thy youth. 
Uh, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Here's Joseph, a young man, but he was a man of principle and a man of conviction. And what I believe that we need today is men and women that would decide to govern their lives not based on emotions that are fleeting, but based on and built on the principles of God's word. To be men and women of conviction. That I'm not going to build my life based on the philosophies of this world. I'm not going to build my life based on a political party. I'm not going to build my life based on my own ideas and ideology. I'm going to build my life on the firm foundation, the solid rock, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. He was a man of conviction. He was a just man. But not only was he a man of conviction, he was also a man of compassion. Sometimes we struggle with demonstrating empathy and compassion to people in our lives. We struggle to empathize with the hurt of others. Uh, the other night, my son Luke, he was supposed to be sleeping. It was late at night, but he kind of wanted to stay up, and he kept on calling out and telling me that his cheek was hurting. And I think his cheek maybe was hurting a little bit, but more so, he just kind of wanted to stay up, and uh, he was trying to use that as an excuse to stay up later. And so uh, I went to Luke, and I said, all right, I'm going to go check and see if we have any children's Tylenol. So I went to the bathroom, and we were out of children's Tylenol. We didn't have any. But we did have one of those little clear plastic measuring medicine cups. And so I just poured a little bit of water in there. And I went back into the room, and I said, here you go, Luke, take this. And he took it, and I came back in a few minutes later. And I said, how are you feeling? He said, much better. <laughs> I'm doing much better. And uh, he, he took that water. He took that medicine. He was feeling just fine. You know, I think sometimes... As followers of Jesus, we struggle to empathize with the hurts of other people. When we're hurting, we want everybody to know about it. When we're struggling, it's going to be on Facebook. People are going to know. We're going to wear it on our face. When we're hurting, people are going to find out. But when other people are hurting, a lot of times we are quick to pass on, to, to, to pass that over. Well, they're probably hurting because they deserve it. They, they made their bed, now they have to lie in it. And sometimes we struggle with this kind of compassion. And what Joseph does next is not only does he demonstrate conviction, he demonstrates compassion. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Let's notice it, verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing, he was not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, contextually, Joseph had three options. The first option was to carry out the strictest form of the Old Testament law in Deuteronomy 22 and to have Mary killed. Well, he wasn't going to do that. He loved Mary. Uh, he, he loved Mary, and he didn't want to do that. The second option was to publicly shame Mary and put her through uh, this rigmarole of, of trying to get some sort of retribu retribution, and he wasn't going to do that either. He, he loved Mary. He didn't want to shame her. And so the third option, which Joseph initially decided to do, was I'm going to write her a private bill of divorcement. I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to shame her. I love Mary. I don't want her to be hurt. I don't want her to be ostracized. So I'm just going to put her away privately. To put her away privately means that he was not going to write a reason on the bill of divorcement. He didn't want to make this uh, air anyone's dirty laundry. He, he didn't, no, no. He wanted to keep this private. What was he doing? He was demonstrating compassion for Mary. Now, it's not what he ended up doing, but in this initial moment, we recognize that, that he was showing compassion and he loved Mary. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Joseph had this uncommon character. Why? Because he had both conviction and compassion. Rarely do you see both. 
A lot of times people can have conviction, but conviction without compassion will cause harm in our relationships. Because you can be doctrinally sound, but emotionally cold. And so you can have conviction without compassion, but you're going to cause harm. But if you have compassion without conviction, you're going to compromise the truth. And so rarely do you see both conviction and compassion. And what we need to be is a follower of Jesus that speaks the truth in love. That, that we are courageous in our position, but we are compassionate in our disposition. That, that we are grounded in our convictions, but gracious in our conversation. By the way, this is how we make a difference in the Inland Empire. This is how we can change the world, by sharing the love of Christ, by standing firm in the truth, by being grounded in our convictions. By the way, the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And so we ought to have some biblical convictions that we stand on, but the way that we live our lives should be filled with compassion. Jude said, and some having compassion, making a difference. That's how you make an impact. That's how you make a difference, to have this uncommon character of conviction and compassion. This leads us to our third thought. You ready for number three? Yeah. Number three is this. We have to consider the fulfilled promise. Now, the Christmas story is filled with prophetic undertones, and it's filled with prophecies that that came true and were completed at the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to see uh, what the Bible says here in verse number 20. Notice it in verse 20. J Joseph is about to get some clarity. Now, if there was anything that Joseph wanted in this moment, I'm sure one thing he wanted was clarity. He was confused at what was taking place. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Here in this moment, Joseph gets a little bit of clarity. He, he understands oh, I don't have to write a private bill of divorcement and put Mary away uh, privately. Uh, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now Joseph is starting to understand something divine is taking place. He, he was starting to get some clarity. By the way, I think there's a direct correlation between Joseph's purity and his clarity. That he was a just man that received clarity. Why? Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, what is it? See God. Purity always leads to clarity. Sometimes we're not seeing the things that God wants us to see because we are not submitting to the things that God wants us to submit to. And so here Joseph is getting this clarity and he's starting to understand something divine is taking place, that this is, a, this is a miraculous conception, verse number 21. Then he gets real clarity here in verse number 21. It says, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is why Jesus came down to earth. The Hebrew name for Jesus means Jehovah saves. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Salvation is not found in religion. Salvation is not found in philosophy. Salvation is not found in behavior modification. Salvation is not found in legalistic rituals. Salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He came down to earth for the singular purpose to save his people from their sins. He is the Savior of all those that will believe. And so Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. J.I. Packer said this, the, the Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity, hope for a pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. That's why he came. But notice the prophecy that's fulfilled in verse number 22. It says this, now all this was done. 
All this was done because, for, that it might be fulfilled. The Greek word there, fulfilled, means it's play raw. It means to make full or to complete. And so this was all done to complete something, to fulfill something. What was it? That which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying. Now, here he's going to quote Isaiah's prophecy all the way back 700 years before from Isaiah chapter 7. By the way, if you're interested, tonight at 6 p.m., uh, we're going to have another service, and I'm going to preach a different message based on this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, which says this. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This is the prophecy that 700 years later is now being fulfilled. By the way, can I just remind you that all of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is pointing to one person, Jesus. The Old Testament is Jesus concealed. The New Testament is Jesus revealed. Every slam, every lamb that was slain in the Old Testament was pointing ahead to Jesus. Every prophet in the Old Testament was ultimately pointing to Jesus. Every judge in the book of Judges, every deliverer was pointing ahead to a greater deliverer. His name is Jesus. And so here what Matthew is saying is this child is the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah's prophecy that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. This is a reminder that God always keeps his promises. And so we see this fulfilled promise. But I want you to consider the last component today. The fourth component is this. Consider the personal surrender. Everybody still with me this morning? I want you to consider the personal surrender. Because what happens next is Joseph is going to submit to the word that he just received. Notice it in verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. He did it. Did you catch that? He obeyed. He submitted. The angel said, this is what you need to do. And that's exactly what he did. There's a big difference between hearing and heeding. Do you know the difference? I can hear when my wife Katie tells me to take out the trash. That doesn't mean I always heed it right away. I need to work on that. Would you pray for me today? There's a difference between hearing and heating. When my kids were younger and we had three car seats, they did not want to get in those car seats at times. We'd bring them over and when they were toddlers, they didn't want to get in the car. They would stiffen up their back and they would fight and they would kick and they would do everything that they could to not get in that car seat. I wonder if sometimes that's how God looks at us when we are unwilling to submit to his plan that we're holding back and that we don't want to give in. But sometimes following Jesus, please hear me, sometimes following Jesus means that you have to comply even when you can't comprehend. This is what it means to walk by faith. I don't know if I have everything figured out. I still have some questions about all this. But I'm willing to surrender my will to the will of God. Here's Joseph. Surely didn't have every question answered that he had in this moment. But what the angel told him to do, that's exactly what he did. He followed through with surrender. I love this quote by Vance Havner. He talks about how Christmas really is the exchange of gifts. This is what he said. Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts. The gift of God to man, his unspeakable gift of his son. Aren't you thankful for that gift that we can receive? But then he says this, and the gift of man to God when we present our bodies a living sacrifice. I wonder today, have you given him that gift? 
Have, re- have you presented your body a living sacrifice? Have you had, like Joseph, that personal surrender? Whatever God wants to do in my life, that's what I'm going to do. Just like Mary in Luke 1.33, when she said, be it unto me according to thy word. Whatever God's plan is, I'm going to submit. I'm going to surrender, even if it's uncomfortable. Notice what he does in verse 25. And he knew her not. Again, Matthew's emphasizing, highlighted, highlighting this virgin birth. He knew her not. They did not consummate the marriage until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus, just like he was supposed to, just like the angel told him to do. He was totally surrendered. Here's the concluding question that I have for us today and we'll have a word of prayer and we'll be on our way. Many of us know the Christmas story anecdotally. We know the Christmas story, the ins and the outs. But the question that we really have to consider is, do you know Jesus personally? Personally. Has there been a personal time when you have made him your Lord and your Savior? Where you, not not your family, not your upbringing, uh, not your friends, but that you have personally surrendered your life to Jesus? This is what it all comes down to. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, Who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger, whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high, whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in his lowliness. This is what Christmas is all about. Do you know him personally? Have you surrendered to him personally? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number three, consider him. Speaking of Jesus, consider him. Consider him who endured that contradiction of sinners. This morning, consider the person of Jesus. Is he really God in the flesh? Is he more than a good teacher? Is he more than a good prophet? Because if he is who he claimed to be, then we ought to surrender to him. And if you have not done that, today can be the day of salvation for you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Today, as we close, I want to take a minute and just ask a few simple questions. And in the stillness of this room, I believe that we should reflect on God's word. How many of you would say, Matt, would you pray for me as we were looking at this text this morning? I have been dealing with relational complexity. And there's a family situation or some relationship that I have is strained right now. Would you pray for me as I'm in this season of relational complexity? If that's you, can I see your hand this morning? Pray for me. Thank you so much. Perhaps you are here today and God was speaking to you about this uncommon character to be a man or woman of conviction and compassion. Maybe you are filled with conviction but need to work on compassion. Maybe you are all about compassion but you need to form some biblical conviction. How many of you would say, Matt, would you pray for me that I would have this balance of conviction and compassion. If that's you, can I see your hand today? Thank you so much. Ultimately, the question today is, have you surrendered to Christ personally? Maybe you are in this room, maybe you're watching online and you've never encountered a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. This is the greatest gift that you can receive this season, the gift of God's son. The problem is that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. 
And because of that sin, the Bible says that there is a payment, there's a price tag that accompanies that sin. The wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today, you can surrender to Jesus personally and you can have a relationship with God and you can have a home in heaven when you die. And today, if you're not sure about that, you're not sure if you were to die today, God forbid, where you would spend eternity, I would encourage you to make today that day of surrender. Today can be the day of salvation for you. And what I'm going to do in this concluding moment is I'm just going to give an opportunity for anyone that would like to receive Christ. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. It's not a certain set of words that you have to say that saves you, but it is placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone that you can be saved. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to receive this gift of salvation, if you'd like to surrender your life to Christ, you can pray with me right here, right now. You can repeat after me from wherever you are. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. But today, I want to give my life to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again on the third day. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. And heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed.